Would you remain standing as you're able for respect for God's Word? Ecclesiastes 3, um, 1 through 8, is a beautiful passage of Scripture, and you should read it someday. But I'm not going to read it today. I'm switching on you. This is from the book of Chronicles. It's part of the story of King David becoming king of all Israel. Chapter 12, verse 23, and then verse 32. These are the numbers of the men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him as the Lord had said. Verse 32. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. The end of the year is a, it's a wonderful time to look back. It's a great time to sort of summarize what's happened this year and, uh, and look at some of the highlights and maybe some of the lowlights. And most newspapers and magazines try to help you do this, and so I've been looking at them. And so I want to review 2006 with you. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions, and if you know the answer, you, you just call it out, and we'll kind of see how in touch you were with the year that was. So we'll start with one. I think it's fairly easy. We'll start with sports. And this past week, the Associated Press named their Male Athlete of the Year for 2006, and they named Tiger Woods. Very good. All right, we'll go with business. Now, we're in San Antonio. We, we probably know this one. And that is the FCC approved on Friday an extremely large merger that begins to put Humpty Dumpty back together again by approving AT&T and their acquisition of Bell South. Very good. All right, now this is a little harder. We're going to switch to the law. This is uh, from the legal front. Now, a number of new laws are going to be on the books starting January 1st. And there's an interesting new law in California that has to do with motor vehicles. And this law will outlaw people riding in the... Anybody? Trunk, exactly right. There is a practice in uh, California that teenagers engage in called trunking. And what happens in order to get around the law that uh, limits the number of people that can drive with a new, ride with a newly licensed driver, some of the kids pile in the trunk. And unfortunately, they've had nine fatalities this year from trunking, so that's against the law. Pretty good. All right, let's move on. We, I bet we all know some of this. Entertainment. Been a number of surveys about what's hot and what's not in entertainment. So let's start with this. I, I bet you know this one. The, the results are pretty much in from 2006, and the highest grossing film at the box office this year put out by Disney, what, Pirates of the Caribbean? Very good. And in 2007, of course, the Pirates will return. And the rumor is that Captain Jack Sparrow's father will make an appearance, and he will be played by Keith Richards. Very good, of the Rolling Stones. Some of you are really there. Okay, now, this one's always fun. Celebrity role models. I don't know if you saw this article. I think this was in the paper Friday. Celebrity role models. The most admired, the respected, the most positive celebrity role model. The winner was, anybody? She has a talk show and gobs of money. Oprah, very good. A lot for her work with a foundation helping girls in South Africa. Now, the least respected, the least helpful celebrity role model, and the winner was, anybody? Britney Spears, very good. But if you said Paris Hilton, give yourself at least half credit. She was really close. Well, we're kind of, you know, we're... Um, we're doing well in entertainment now, and I want to shift your focus to uh, a little more contained area, and that's TV. Now, according to those who really watch the trends and, and monitor us, 
uh, one of the more popular news shows um, is The Office. And the thing that a lot of us, according to studies, most hope for The Office in 2007 is that two people will get together. And these two people in The Office we want to get together are... Yes, very good, Pam and Jim. And you could all do me a big uh, service after this service is over. Go over to uh, the Christian Life Center. When we talk about the office around our office, Michael Crocker thinks he's Jim and he is not. He is Dwight, and you need to let him know that that's who he is so you can really help us when you go over there. Now, there's been some recent flare-up on uh, TV, and so there are actually two people we hope will ignore each other and not get together at all, and those two people we hope will quit talking to each other are... Anybody? Yes, Donald and Rosie. Thank you. Very good. Now, this is a church, so we need to move kind of from entertainment to religion, so let's put the two together. Uh, some weeks ago, our church rented one of the, the-, the theaters in the quarry and filled it for an advanced showing of what movie? The Nativity. Thank you. Very good. Now, earlier this year in May there came a movie that created quite a stir in theological circles about certain claims uh, that were made about Jesus. And this movie was The Da Vinci Code. Y'all are pretty good. All right, now let's go just, just to religion. You'll probably get this. And that was maybe the high point in a very difficult situation. The sort of light in the darkness award goes to a community of religious people in Nickel Pines, Pennsylvania. And these people who practice forgiveness on an extraordinary level were the, the Amish. Very good. And maybe on the low side, in one particular state, there were a couple pastors who railed against certain types of behavior and were later were found to be engaging those behaviors themselves. In what state were they located? Colorado. Y'all are good. You, you're actually a little quicker than 830, and I thought they were pretty good. All right, now this one. You'll probably get. All right. Every year, Time Magazine names its person of the year. Point to that person. That's right. Anywhere you point, you're going to be right. In 2006, according to Time Magazine, the person of the year was you. Well, it could also be me because of what we can do. YouTube and MySpace. Now we decide what information gets out. We no longer have to wait for the news with our own video cameras. We create the news. We begin to decide what products we want and what we need. It's all about you. It's all about us, says Time Magazine, when it comes to 2006. You know, I got to thinking about that. And I began to think, you know, I think really every year it's been all about us. Every year since Adam and Eve. Because one of the things that happens is if you looked at the cover, you saw that it's simply a mirror. And we hold it up to ourselves. And I would say that every year that humankind has existed, it's been mainly ourselves in front of the mirror. And I think that's created some of the difficulties that we have in our world today. It has been about us, and maybe it should be a little less about us and a little more about someone else. Because as, as important as we might think trends and personalities and needs are, most of those don't last. This was interesting to me. In the paper um, a couple weeks ago, there was an article that the U.S. Census Bureau predicts that the average American will spend 3,518 hours in front of the media this year, looking at TV, 
looking online, uh, looking, uh, listening to the radio, reading a magazine or books. That's almost five months. And then most of us are going to sleep another three or four months. And then some of us are going to have to go to work. And you see that something very important begins to be crowded out around our need to know and to control and to have it be about us. Something significant gets lost. We, in my estimation, put a lot more emphasis on what is timely as opposed to what is timeless. We put a lot more emphasis in our world on what is temporal as opposed to what is eternal. And we need to stop for a moment and think what lasts anyway. And what really is important? Some of you have taken the TENS test with me before. I, I think it's, it's, very, it's very revealing to me. And that is, you, you pick a category and name something, and then you try to name the nine or ten that are previous. So, for example, uh, the former president uh, of Texas A&M and the director of the CIA, uh, Mr. Gates, has a very big job. He is now the Secretary of Defense. His predecessor was Donald Rumsfeld. And can you name the eight people before them? In order. Probably not. And arguably, they may be among the most important people on the planet at the time. And yet, their names even begin to fade from view. Uh, my favorite baseball player won the American League batting title in uh, 2005. But I could no way name the previous nine winners to Michael Young. I can't even name who won in 2006. I think it was the Twins guy. But uh, Joe Maurer. But I don't know. And yet it seems so important in the summer as we watch them hit. Uh, there are many important people. And they get a lot of publicity. But when you think about it, we can't really remember them. I'm a sports fan. I know that the Heisman Trophy this year was won by... And last year, Reggie Bush. And the year before, ooh, he's even Hollywood. Matt Leinert. And before him... You're close, off a year. But going back 10, going back 10, can't do it. And yet, they honored them in New York. They were on every paper. And we don't even know who they are. And yet, I want to submit to you that every year for the past 10 years, and every year from the beginning of time, the king of the universe has been the same. And yet we have spent our attention on things that are so fleeting, and things don't, that don't matter nearly so much. Here's my suggestion as we start a new year. That we need to move our face out of that mirror and reflect less of our image and more of the image of God. I think we should learn from the men of Essachar. This is a story in the scriptures I read to you this morning. Uh, David is about to become king, and the people that know David in, in around Jerusalem and around his hometown, they're all in favor but the other people who live in the north, they're not quite sure they want this guy as their king. And suddenly, people begin, though, to come to David and momentum builds as God shows that he should be king to everyone. And part of the group, one of the people that initially would oppose David, come over to his side, and they're called the men of Issachar. And the Bible says that what they do is they were able to understand the time. Now, there's two ways to read this. You could say, well, they understood the time. They knew how many web uh, hits. David was getting on his side, or they knew that his popularity was up, or they saw his resume, or you could name any number of ways. They just saw the way the wind was blowing. And that's one way to read that passage. But if you go back to the first verse I read you, it said that David was made king because God had told them to make David king. 
They understood the times mean they knew what God was doing and what God wanted done, and they got in line with it. In other words, they could get on board the King David train that God had going, or they could find themselves under that train. And they chose, because they understood the times, to get on board with what God is doing. That's my suggestion for 2007. I'm not saying that we give up following the stocks in Wall Street or watching ESPN or going to the movies, but I'm suggesting a little more time spent on what is timeless as opposed to what is timely. And I'm going to suggest two ways to do it this morning as you head into 2007. Here's two ways to get God's image in that mirror and a little less of my image. And the first one is this, and it's something I've suggested to you before, that you find a regular way and place to serve other people. A regular way and place to be in mission to other folks in God's family, folks who are in need. And the wonderful thing about this is you'll begin to recognize that even though you hadn't considered them that originally, you'll see more and more that they really are God's family. You'll begin to recognize that. I love the story that came out of Africa some years ago, a time and place, as you know, of great ethnic and tribal conflict. Uh, as people saw what divided them and not what united them. But one guy told a story, you heard me tell, about an earthworm. And this uh, earthworm fell in love one day with the most beautiful earthworm he had ever seen. And so finally, after time, he, he just got up enough courage that he went to that earthworm and he said, You are the most beautiful earthworm I have ever seen. To which the response came, Don't be stupid, I'm your other end. Now, the reality of God's family is that person at the intersection looking for food or a dollar, they're your other end. The person in the, in the facility that hasn't had a visit in quite some weeks or months from another human being outside the staff, they're your other end. The person whose house hasn't been rebuilt or even torn down in the lower ninth ward, they're your other end. We, when we begin to be in service and mission to others, we find that we really are brothers and sisters, all part of the same family. And the extra bonus is I think it makes us better people. Dr. Carl Menninger, the uh, late psychiatrist, founder, of course, of the Menninger Clinic, once said this. He said, you know, when I'm down, when I don't want to get out of bed in the morning, I'm feeling a little d down. He said, what I do is I make myself get out of bed. I make myself get dressed. I go downstairs. I get in the car, I drive to another part of town, and I help somebody. And he says, and I feel a whole lot better. Service is a wonderful way to get our face from behind the mirror and get someone else and get their image in the mirror and in the same way get God's image in that mirror. And then my second suggestion, which you've heard some from me, but you're going to hear a lot more in the days ahead, is we need to be very intentional about worshiping God. Nothing reminds us that it's not about us as much as worship. There's no way I can walk into a worship service, worship God for an hour, and walk out and say, it's all about me. I just can't do it. I get out of the mirror for that moment, and the mirror gets put in front of the face of God when we worship. Now, there are a lot of good things we can do. You know, we can be in a Bible study. We can do family devotionals. We can say prayer before meals, and those are wonderful things. We can put money in the offering plate, and that's really good. But none of that. None of that substitutes for worshiping God because God has commanded us to worship. There's a concept that's been very helpful to me in recent days, um, and I learned it first in preparing last year to preach on marriage 
uh, here in the sanctuary. And the concept is, is called uh, love languages. And that basically is this, that my wife can do certain things that she thinks express her love for me, but I don't read them the same way. And, and I can do certain things for her, and I would think, well, you know, by doing that, surely you know I love you, but that's, that's not how she would receive it. Sometimes we speak different love languages. And so sometimes we think that, well, if we get a babysitter and go out to a movie, that certainly says that I love you. And then what she'd really rather have us do is help wash the dishes. That would really speak to it. Or, or a nice, flowery note. Perhaps that would do it. But for other people, it's, no, just listen to me. Don't speak or write to me. Listen when I have something to say. We communicate differently. And so the, one of the keys in marriage is to figure out what their language is, what communicates love to them, and start speaking that language, whether it's native to you or not. In the same way, the Bible is very clear that the native love language of God, the preferred love language of God, is worship. When you worship, God feels loved. That's just what God said to us. And the psalm says it this way. God inhabits the praises of God's people. God is everywhere. God is here. But boy, is God really present when we worship and praise God. That's the way God wants to be loved. And as we do that, then the mirror begins to shift from us over to God. Now, one of the things I've noticed about having my kids home for the holidays is, uh, is you know, if I have any weaknesses, they've been exposed. And I have some. But one of the things they say to me is they can tell that I'm aging by watching two things. They, they, watch, they watch my head. And the second thing is they, they watch where, when I'm channel surfing where I stop. And they said, I'm stopping way too often for their taste on the Weather Channel. But one of the things I've noticed is kind of interesting. You may have seen it if you've watched much of the Weather Channel. They started this series last year about disasters, you know, mega disasters that could happen in our country. And earthquake hits San Francisco again. And, you know, a hurricane comes to uh, New York City and these sort of things. In fact, they had done a pilot before Katrina about what would happen if a, a Category 4 or 5 hurricane hit New Orleans. They you know, had the good sense not to show it for a while after that, but they had done that. But that caught my attention the other day. I don't know if you heard this. They've got, they've got another one on wildfires hit Austin, Texas. It's like, wait a minute. You know, I've got family in Austin, Texas. I've got friends in Austin, Texas. And that disaster is just a little close to home. And I'm sort of hoping somebody's prepared for that disaster and they can avert it. But I want to tell you this morning that there is a disaster that is even closer to home than that. And this is the potential disaster. You and I, who have been so good about keeping up with what is timely, what's useful, and what is helpful, are going to find that one day the things of earth no longer matter to us because we're not here. One day, you and I are going to pass from this trendy place and we're going to go another place. And five minutes after we die, my fear is that we're going to find out that Time Magazine was wrong, that it wasn't about us after all.